What is going on, everybody? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Fun V Tailgate podcast, presented by Thunderblogsports.com, a part of the Bullpen Cart podcast feed. It is week 10 in the NFL, and more importantly, it's Masters week. So we are joined by a good buddy of mine, Matt Height, to help break it all down because of our scheduling. I actually do the college part by myself. I recorded it after we did picks. So it's a abbreviated version of college. We do almost an hour and 20 minutes of NFL picks and golf talk with Matt Height. And then I wrap things up at the very end. But this one was a lot of fun to record. Cannot wait to hear what you guys think. As always, though, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Search The Bullpen Cart on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter. ThunderBLG is the handle there. Thunderblog Sports on Instagram. Join our Facebook group, The Bullpen Cart Podcast. It's where you can be a part of the conversation. We collected questions from there tonight. But enjoy this week's episode, everybody. Let us know what you think. Enjoy the golf. Enjoy the football. And here we go. Welcome to this week's episode of the Fun V Tailgate Podcast, presented by Thunderblogsports.com, a part of the Bullpen Card Podcast feed. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. I am by myself right now. We recorded our Week 10 picks and Masters preview with Matt Height, myself and Matt Stefano. Matty had to go run. We actually both had a pretty busy night work-wise, so we carved out some time. It actually was a lot of fun. We recorded almost an hour and 20 minutes of football and golf talk with Matt Height. It was a ton of fun. And... We both had to go work, so now I'm recording this late Wednesday night. Going to do a quick college roundup. Kind of a wild week last week, as I'm sure you all know, with Notre Dame beating Clemson, Florida beating Georgia, so the rankings are uh, completely different than what we talked about last week. Notre Dame is now at number two, Clemson fell to number four, Florida is at number six, Georgia fell all the way to 12th, and this week is is probably not going to change too much. Alabama's game against LSU got canceled. Notre Dame is playing Boston College, and I can't imagine that they would jump over Alabama even if they throttled BC. Ohio State's game got canceled because Maryland has COVID. Clemson's on a bye. Texas A&M's on a bye. Florida's playing. Maybe they jump A&M. Um, I don't know. I don't really know what the committee's looking for there. Who knows? I mean, it's kind of a wacky season of What's been going on? The Mac. We've seen a ton of games happen. We finally got some weeknight Maction going on. Can't imagine that we'd see any of them jump into the polls. The Pac-12 is back. Oregon won. USC won. They're still in the polls there. A number of these group of five darlings are still undefeated. BYU's 8-0. Coastal Carolina is still 7-0, or is now 7-0. Marshall's now 6-0. SMU 7-1, so they're still hanging in there. And Liberty, now ranked after beating Virginia Tech. We talked about that a little bit in picks. Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, now hanging in there at number 25. So we're seeing a number of um, those group of five non-power schools jumping up in there, but... Kind of mentioned it this weekend, the the big stories coming into it are canceled games. It's not a ton of them, but it's the big dogs, right? 
it's Alabama LSU, it's Ohio State Maryland. And you know, I would love to see what they did there. Memphis, they're four and two now, and they're they're not nearly as good as they had been. SMU proved that a couple weeks ago, but you know, I would like to see what they did and, and see what's going on there. You know, Air Force, Wyoming, we're not seeing a ton out of that, but you know, that's another canceled game. And as is Texas Southern New Mexico State, Sunbelt. You know, it's crazy stuff. But anyway, the Pac 12s in. We've seen some games played. We saw some games get canceled because of COVID last week. So some teams are making their debuts. And things are chugging along. It's not the busiest slate. A lot of teams on by, not the most jam packed schedule. Someone in the Big Ten is finally going to get a win because Penn State and Nebraska are playing. Both are 0 for on the season, 0-3 Penn State, 0-2 for Nebraska because Nebraska, of course, was supposed to play Wisconsin. Wisconsin's on the board this week playing Michigan. Talk about that a little bit more in Pick'em. UNC Wake Forest, two teams that I would not have guessed would be a combined 9-4 and at this point. Cincinnati, that's the big one, though. They're playing East Carolina. This is something that... I mentioned in the non-Power Fives, I, I did not mention them, but they're playing East Carolina, a 27-point favorite. You'd expect them to win. ECU, we talked about it a little bit last week with the bad beat against Tulsa from two weeks ago now, but can't imagine ECU getting any sort of uh, revenge there. But I'd love to see what happens with the Bearcats, and I, and I want to hold this conversation, put a pin in it for when Matty D is back on and we can talk about college football, because I don't want to delay it anymore to get to... The whole segment with Matt Height, with picks, with the Masters. This was a lot of fun to record. I, I can't wait to hear what you guys all think about it. I know a shorter college breakdown, but it is more fun, A, when Matty D is here. And B, we, we really jump into a lot of football stuff and, and obviously the golf talk. That is uh, one of the main attractions of this weekend, not just the Eagles being back off of their bye, but the Masters being here. So without further ado, I'm going to send it over. Here he is, my good friend, Matt Height. All right, it is time for picks, and we now welcome on an old friend of mine. It is Matt Height, friend of mine, back from when it was ESPN Radio, now Fox Sports Radio. He also is the voice of a number of Muhlenberg sports teams. Matt, how are you? I'm great, Jordy. Thanks a lot for having me. Good to talk to you. Yeah, it's great to have you. And, you know, we uh, obviously used to work together, and you are really well plugged into the sports world, both in terms of football as well as golf. So we're going to do picks. Then we're going to do a little preview for the Masters. Obviously, uh, it's dropping on Thursday morning, so people will hopefully have you know already tuned into the Masters app, see a little bit of it. But we'll uh, you know we'll hopefully shed some light on some great storylines for all of that. But let's get the the business out of the way first. Get into picks. I know you know the format. I know Matty D obviously does. But for those that are new to the show, it is five games all against the spread in the NFL. Then a sixth one in college. We do it as a snake draft. We'll start with Matt Height since he is our guest, and then I believe. I went first in our seven-game series last week, Matt, so you can go second, then I go third. Do it snake draft style. How does that sound to you guys? Sounds great. Awesome. All right. There so- it is what it is. Apparently, you just make all the rules classic. It's like Roger Goodell out here. You won last mm-hmm. week. I don't know what you're complaining about. I was, well, the, I was the biggest loser of all time because we went seven-game okay. series. First of all, I'm a man of the people, okay? So even when I'm winning, <laughs> I care about everybody else, all right? And I'm in a position of power now, dominating you last week, so – you know, I just want to make sure my voice is heard. Uh, you got two mats in the show here tonight, Jordy. So you're outnumbered two to one easily. Yeah, this is the second um, time we've done this. We need to, I need to find another Jordy. Well, first Can we of get all, Jordy Nelson things. on the show? 
you don't like him. He, he spells his name differently from sure yours. He spells his um, name wrong. You, you, right. You spell your name wrong. Oh, wait. What, okay. Anyway, Matt's pretty solid. There's only one Matt I don't like out there. That's the fake Matty D. Yeah. Everybody else, all the other Matt's, big fans. Big fan. Hey, if you submit your master's picks, he hasn't yet. So you could regain your, your real Matty D status. I'll consider it. I might. I might. Let's see. Anyway, we're, we're stealing the spotlight from Matt Height. Matt, lead us off to pick him. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, Jordy. Listen, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you deep immediately. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the New York Giants uh, getting three points against your Philadelphia Eagles. So um, I don't necessarily think the Giants are gonna win outright, but I think it'll be a situation where the Eagles maybe pull it out very very late with a field goal to win by one, maybe two, or maybe we'll do a push. But nah, I think the Giants will will cover against the Eagles plus three. I don't hate that pick. They've been horrible against the spread, including the last time they played the Giants when it seemed like it's a complete lock. Uh, I do not hate that at all. Or, you know, Jake Elliott, you know, the way he got on the map in Philly was a 65-yard kick. Matt, Matty D was there. Uh, so I do not hate that pick at all. Yeah, it's a, that's a definitely a, it's tough for me to hear coming right off the bat after I just praised anybody <laughs> named Matt. But I got to be honest, I've watched every single Eagles game this year, and um, it's tough for me to blame you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, I'm going to go to – now, this game doesn't have a line, but I just want to straight pick it um, in okay. this case. Um, and that is the Detroit Lions and the Washington football team. I don't know. I, I'm sure there's there must be a COVID reason here. Am I right? It must be with Stafford. Yeah, maybe. I would guess with Stafford. Okay. But I know he's cleared. Um, either way, I, I really just haven't been super high on Washington. Detroit ripped off a few wins, and they got beat. But I, I do like Detroit in this game to take out the Washington football team, uh, especially if it's Alex Smith or Dwayne Haskins. Great story for Alex Smith, but three interceptions last week. They just don't have a lot of weapons offensively for him to work with. Uh, and if it's Haskins, he's been totally beaten down at this point by the organization. I was about to say, so Ron like Rivera like, here. hates him. I got an alert last week yeah. that, that said the word healthy scratch. I don't think I've ever seen – I've only yeah, seen that in hockey and basketball. I've never seen that in football. Yeah, pretty – Pretty shocking. The, the phrasing I've seen, um, but, obviously, non-injured players sit. But. Right, right, right. No, pretty shocking there. But I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the Lions. I, you know, I, I don't know if Matt Patricia will make it through the season, but I've seen a few things that are positive to me for that team. Um, and I love their running game um, with, with really three to me decent backs um, and, a, and a relatively explosive offense if Stafford is playing. Plus, watch out for T.J. Hawkinson, the uh, top yeah, ten pick last year out of Iowa. He's really starting to come around uh, as an all-around tight end and has looked really good. He's a top-five fantasy tight end, I think. Maybe I'm wrong there. Don't quote me on that. No, Disc- I think you're right. Disc- quote immediately. Yeah. But at least over the last few weeks, he's been much better um, and kind of evolving that offense. So at anybody's defense who plays against Washington immediately looks better. So I'm taking the lines. Uh, I like that pick a lot. That was uh, That's one I had circled. Um, I'm going to go next. I'm going to go with – or actually, it's two to me. But uh, my first one, I am – where did it disappear to? Uh, I'm taking – it's going to be a weird one, uh, but Nick Chubb coming back, I feel fairly confident in the Browns running game against the Houston Texans team that should be better than 2-6, and six, but I still don't totally feel confident in, in there. I know it's a 3.5 sucker line, but I'm going to go with the Browns 3.5. And, and then for my second game, I feel like this line hasn't moved yet, but with Christian McCaffrey now out for Sunday, I feel like the – Tampa Bay Buccaneers have to do something, right? They sucked last week against against New Orleans. Um, I mean, literally, anybody is going to be better than they were a week ago, whether it's offensively Brady, Mike Evans, Godwin, 
I don't really care about Antonio Brown, any of the running backs, and especially their defense. Their defense got torn up by Drew Brees, who we all thought could potentially be aging out, and I'm saying that as a Drew Brees fantasy owner. But I'm taking the Bucks here in a little bounce-back game, and Carolina, I feel like, is, uh, you know, it's been a feel-good story while McCaffrey's been out, and, you know, all that's all good and dandy, but I don't really trust their passing game. Mike Davis has been solid, but I don't know. Kind of what you are just talking about with, uh, you know, organization and not really utilizing certain players. Obviously you're talking about with Washington, but I feel like maybe that was a little demoralizing with him and him stepping up on a Thursday, or he probably did today when McCaffrey sat out. But, uh, you know, I, I got to feel like he's a little cold there. So I'll, Tampa Bay minus five is my second pick. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's tough, right? If you're Carolina, Tampa Bay gets embarrassed, you know, Tommy, Tommy terrific's coming out with some heat in that game. Um, and I don't know if Carolina has the, the dogs defensively to keep up with, a passing attack that just has to be better, right? I mean, those three superstars, wideouts, like it's got to be better. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Um, I'll, I'll go next. It's a really tough game here, but I want to make sure that I get a hold of it because I'm fascinated by it. You get the Colts and the Titans meeting. Um, it's a huge AFC South game, right? They are the cream of the crop in the division. The Colts, I think the Colts gave one away last week to the Ravens. I thought they had the Ravens in that game um, and they made a couple key mistakes, the fumble by the rookie Jonathan Taylor and the Tough. whatever the heck that was by Phillip Rivers and the attempted tackle. Um, it's a really hard game here for me, but I've, I've lived or died a little bit by the Colts this year. And I actually like them in this game. Um, I think they have the, you know, you think about Darius Slattered and a really good defense that can slow down uh, King Henry. Uh, still not overly convinced about the pass rush. I mean, about the passing attack for the Titans. And I think their defense has some holes. They just cut bait. Uh, Vic Beasley, uh, Jadavian Clowney, who might not even play, has done zero for them. Um, so I think it's a low-scoring game. And I like the Colts to pull it out late, whether it's a rejuvenated and healthy T.Y. Hilton. Uh, maybe he gets a long touchdown catch or, or at least sets him up for a field goal. Uh, but I could definitely see this game being – being quite low in the scoring category. And I'm going to take the Colts and a little bit of a, an upset pick there against a really good Titans team. Yeah. It's kind of weird. It's Thursday night football. So you're not really sure, you know, team, That's you know, thing. yeah. Play, you know, not a really great in terms of uh, the quality game there. Uh, or at least it has been. And last week wasn't any much different, but I don't know. It's a, you know, I figured you might go to that. Well, there's another well that uh, you might go back to before it comes back to me, but it, uh, another team that you like to pick that uh, I have circled. A little hint there. But, Matt, hey, back to you. All right. Well, I've got a matchup of young quarterbacks here. Justin Herbert of the Chargers. Tua of the Miami Dolphins. The Red Hot Dolphins. They've won four in a row. The Chargers coming off back-to-back gut-wrenching losses. It's kind of been the theme of the Chargers franchise over the better part of this last decade. Uh, losing in the very last play in back-to-back weeks and think they're going to catch another L here long cross-country flight down to Miami uh Dolphins lane two and a half at this point I like that line a lot for Miami to pick up their fifth straight win so I like the Dolphins minus two and a half against the LA Chargers I like that pick a lot teams West Coast teams have not gone to Miami well at all and I I don't know I don't know if it's the heat I don't know what it is but uh every time we think a team's going to go there and smoke them they completely lay a dud I think that's a great pick god I mean by the way rumor that you know the Chargers, as they continue to to flounder, will fire their coach. And guess who could end up in LA? I just heard this. I mean, could Bill Belichick 
find his way to the Chargers and Justin Herbert. Wouldn't that be interesting? Just a thought. I don't know. There isn't really a, a drug reference to make with Bill Belichick because he's kind of the guy that gets people to stop doing that. But uh, I don't know what you've been smoking or who gave it to you <laughs> that uh, you saw I, something like that. But all right. Belichick you know, could force his way I'll out of New England. Look. Okay. We'll see what happens. Gotcha. Anyway, Matt, one more pick for you. Yeah, uh, look, I, I'm going to stick with the the young quarterback theme, right? And I'm going to go to the desert here oh, with damn it, with with Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals taking on Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Um, Josh Allen is a guy as a Broncos fan I would have loved to have seen in the Mile High City a couple years ago, but obviously we're uh, sort of riding with the Drew Locke uh, Express uh, to this point. But I think this is one of the better games on the entire slate. Um, on Sunday, really like the Bills team, obviously. Um, kind of a new era dawning a little bit in the AFC East. And the Cardinals, they're a lot better than I thought. Um, honestly, heard a lot of preseason talk about Kyler Murray and, you know, Cliff Kingsbury. The offense is going to take off. I wasn't convinced, but so far through eight games, five and three. And the Bills, a road underdog. I understand it's a cross-country flight and, and all that. Um, but to me that this line looks a little suspicious to me, um, still kind of weary of that Cardinals defense and with what Allen and the bills did to the Seahawks just on Sunday, feeling pretty confident. So I'm taking the bills here, uh, plus one on the road, they'll win outright. And I think they're going to win pretty decisively. Yeah. I, I have a similar thought with that because of exactly what you just said of the, despite how great Kyler Murray has been Cardinals defense, I, you know, it's the over under set at 56 and a half, which is tantalizing just because the over, but it's because the Cardinals defense is so questionable and you just hit the nail on the head. Very similar case of what these defenses look like, which you don't normally think about with the Seahawks of what you had last week. So I, I said, damn it. Cause I wanted to take that. I thought maybe when you started let off with Kyler Murray that I could go against you, but that's great. But one fun fact I heard about Kyler Murray, he is one of three players that averages over 60 rushing yards and a touchdown, a rushing touchdown a game. The other two are Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry. Well, he's been my fantasy quarterback in a number of leagues and is one of the many reasons why I'm having decent seasons across the board because he, you're right, Jordan. He keeps scoring. Yeah. Um, but, Matt, I mean, you brought up a, a great point with that Arizona defense and just an absolutely horrible loss last week. You know, I know the Dolphins, everyone's high on the Dolphins, but it was a, like kind of a game where I think Arizona just kind of had to win and, and they didn't get it done. Um, and in comes a red-hot Buffalo, uh, who I think is getting better in some areas. Um, they've got a, a decent rushing attack. Stephon Diggs leading the league in, reception, in receiving yards. I mean, that and that defense, I don't even think he's playing that well yet. Uh, Buffalo's a, a serious – I mean, I think Buffalo's a contender. All comes down to Josh Allen, and I know why you might want him on the Broncos, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah. No, you, you just mentioned Stefan Diggs. I feel like that's the, the key difference maker. Like, who on the Cardinals is going to stop him? And if they're going to stop, you know, focus on him, double team him, or wherever, you have a number of different targets that Josh Allen can go to, and then he can also run. So, you got a lot of different exactly. options for Buffalo. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm up next here. A lot of, lot of good games to pick from, but I'm going to go to the Monday night game, Minnesota-Chicago. Uh, Minnesota – Three and five. Everyone counted them out. They're a two-point favorite on the road to the five and four Bears. The Bears are probably, to me, the biggest house of cards in football. Um, 
I'm not impressed with anything I see offensively. Uh, their offensive line is not particularly good. Their quarterback play has been anything at best lackluster. Um, Allen Robinson is nice, but it's just not a complete offense and it's broken and I don't know how to fix it for him. I don't think it's Trubisky. I don't know if it's Foles. Doesn't matter who's in there. They're just going to struggle for various reasons. Um, their defense is great, but uh, Minnesota is red hot. Dalvin Cook looks like the best back in football. Um, explosive in all in all phases of the game, and they have a really underrated receiving attack with um, with Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, along with Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith at the tight end position. I think they have enough to mitigate a really good Chicago defense, um, keep them on their toes with a really nice balance. Um, now, I'm saying all this, and I'm picking Kirk Cousins on a Monday night. Remember that. So I'm going against my gut here with Kirk Cousins. I know that, Jordy, you've, you've never been a big fan either. Wait, am I right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not a fan of him, and I really don't like the, the Vikings. But I okay. don't disagree well, with, the, can... with the minus two pick. Yeah. But I'm glad you uh, took to me, that. I'm glad you didn't just force Nick, me to it's pick just them. Nick Foles. I mean, that the, the problem is the Bears' offense. So I'm I'm taking I'm taking them. You're taking the Bears? I know I'm taking Minnesota. Okay, that's because what I of how okay. poorly the Bears have played. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. uh, Offensively. Yeah, that's no, no, no. Like I said, I'm glad you didn't make me have to take them. Like the one, <laughs> the one week when I had to take Minnesota, Matt. In case you you did not know, I think the Minnesota Vikings are not a very good football team, and I had been riding against them in one week. Because they were playing the Falcons, I was like, shit, the Falcons really suck. So I picked them. And I should have stuck with my gut. Should have stuck with my gut. Uh, but I felt like I was backed into a corner. But thankfully, MPD took them. And now it's over to me. So find some uh, some interesting games here. But I hate huge lines. But I really think that the Green Bay Packers are going to absolutely demolish the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm trying to find a reason to think otherwise. But even just looking at the, the yards against per game that the Jacksonville Jaguars have. They are 28th in the league in terms of passing passing yards against, 27th in the league of rushing yards against. And they let up over 400 yards total, 31st in the NFL. Um, Aaron Rodgers has been great this year. You know, a couple questionable games, but overall has been great. 24-2 and two touchdowns to interceptions. I think that, that ratio is going to continue to go up which means I think he's throwing zero interceptions. Uh, the Jags, I don't know what to think. I know they put up a bunch of points last week against the Texans, uh, but I don't think they're putting that up twice. It almost seems like trying to catch lightning in a bottle twice. Uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna go with the Packers. I'm going sh- to think Rodgers figures out how to do it. The rushing attack, despite you know various injuries and question marks, um, you know, it seems like they're healthy, but I like the Packers here. Minus 13. Second pick. All right. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to hate myself for doing this. And I mentioned this with the Saints, that I am a Drew Brees owner. But what seems like could also be lightning in a bottle twice, despite getting healthier with the New Orleans Saints. I'm going to take the San Francisco 49ers plus 9.5 because I don't, I hate huge lines. And because I sold myself into the Green Bay Packers covering, I have a feeling that the, the 49ers, despite all the crazy woes that they've been going through, they're going to show up to this game. I feel like that people are going to slam New Orleans here, maybe even screw up the odds so much that the line moves into a double-digit line because nobody trusts the 49ers. And I feel like that's the time that you take a team going to the Dome. And I know that we have a lot of question marks of who's starting a quarterback for them, who's running the ball in terms of running backs. But I have a feeling this is going to be a low-scoring game. 
So I'm going to take the 49ers here to cover the nine and a half point plus nine and a half spread. Love the second one because the Saints are coming off an all-time high after that domination, right? I mean, makes sense to me. Um, So I'm up next, second to last pick, which makes me, you know, a little nervous. Like, where do I want to go with this? And I I don't know why I have this feeling, okay? But you've got the Ravens heading to New England. It's a seven-point line for Baltimore. Screams, just take Baltimore, be done with it. The Patriots just struggled on the road. I mean, against the Jets on Monday Night Football, basically won in a last-second miracle field goal thanks to some mistakes by the Jets. Um, and yet, everything tells me that I should just take the Ravens. And yet, I'm going to tell you, I think the Patriots cover. I don't think they necessarily win, but I like them to cover the seven-point spread. I like Belichick to do a little Belichickian magic. They're going to try to run the ball. They're going to try to keep. Uh, Lamar on the field and contain him. They've got a few defensive weapons who might be around if Stephon Gilmore is back. Um, I don't know why. I'm trying to talk myself into it and talk myself out of it at the same time, but I like New England to cover. Um, Also to note, Calais Campbell, their great offseason addition is out in this game for the the Ravens. It's a huge piece in their defense. Um, They have great corners, but New England doesn't have great wide receivers. So I just feel like there's a way here for New England to keep this game within seven points. Again, can't explain it, but I'm taking I'm taking New England. Yeah, over under set of 43, and I think that's a that's a proper line. These are two teams that like to run the ball, like to really milk the clock. I feel like there's not a lot of points to be scored. That usually means it's going to be not usually, but it. I have a feeling that you're right that there's going to be some sort of hijinks that go on here. Cam Newton's a huge question mark there, which I think you're right that they don't necessarily win. Uh, but this is a big show-me game from Lamar Jackson. You mentioned it, that there's, you know, some players in New England that could that could try to show the blueprint that we've seen from other teams that have slowed down and beaten the Ravens. So I like that pick a lot. Like I mentioned, I feel like this is going to be a fast game, you know, quite literally because of just how fast the clock's going to run. But uh, it's a good pick, Matt. But Matt Height, we are back to you for your final two NFL picks. All right, well, I'm going to go out to the desert again, this time to Las Vegas and the Raiders taking on my Denver Broncos who come limping uh, into Vegas. Five-point line here, and I'm going to take the Raiders at home to cover that five points. The Broncos, as I'm sure you guys are aware, just a miserable first-half team. They've gotten down double digits in five out of their last seven games. So Drew Locke's stats, kind of a mirage when you're down 20 to three, 27 to six, whatever the case may be, you know, you're just, this game's kind of screams a backdoor cover. So I was leery on which side to take here, but I'm going to go with the Raiders. Um, I like what they're doing out there. I think Derek Carr is having really a very nice bounce back season. Darren Waller, uh, really a a matchup nightmare for, for everyone. Yeah. And especially the Broncos who, their cover linebacking core, arguably the the worst in the NFL. So I could see, uh, you know, two touchdown, 110-yard performance out of Waller. Josh Jacobs is a, a beast inside. So many injuries on on the Denver side uh, for sure, so that's part of it. Um, but I like, like the way the Raiders have been playing. I don't like the way my team has been playing. <laughs> um, but, again, this, this game is all the earmarks of a late touchdown, which pushes it to the other side, but – I'm going to stick with my guns here, and I think the Raiders pull it out by touchdown. 
Yeah, that's a good pick. And you're, you're smart on the uh, the backdoor cover call, which I feel like is why this is you know five points for. Where is New England, which goes to Matt's favor of, but that also you could think New England tries to make this thing close to the very end in some sort of backdoor cover, but I feel like that's why why it's hanging out there. So I think you might be safe at it staying at five, even if it moves down to four and a half by kickoff. Uh, you know, I feel like you know, if you're waiting to bet right at the start of the game, uh, that that might be the play, but. Yeah, it's a this is it's a solid pick there. Matt, are you a Denver fan? I am diehard Broncos okay. fan. Yes, sir. Okay. Hey, so I got to tell you, I know that there's been ups and downs this year for you, Jerry Judy. I'm so upset you guys got him. I think he looks great. Been a big fan. Um, I know you guys are dealing with a lot of other stuff and injuries, but um, we'll see. We'll see what happens as the season progresses because I mean, how, I know Elway's a legend out there, but how many more quarterbacks can he get wrong? You know. Um, not that Locke has shown a couple things here or there. So are you a Locke fan or are you off the bandwagon? I'm not off the bandwagon quite yet just because, I mean, Locke was was banged up last year, didn't really get – you know, he, he had the, the – he was 4-1 his last five starts, you know, and mm-hmm. a lot of those games came against non-playoff type teams. So, again, sort of the, the empty stats there. I mean, he was banged up this year, missed a few weeks, and, you know, he shows flashes, but – way too much inconsistency, which I guess you expect out of a young quarterback at this point. So, you know, I would say the, the jury's still out, definitely. Um, I think it's critical that he stays healthy through the last eight games of the season. It's kind of a, a brutal stretch coming up for the Broncos. They've got the Raiders. They've got a very surging Miami team. They've got Kansas City. They've got the Saints. So it's going to be a, a tough gauntlet for a young quarterback right. with the injuries. But, you know, when you talk about Jerry Judy, I was – literally standing and applauding on draft night uh, when, when John Elway took Judy and, and KJ Hamler out of Penn state for that matter. Right. Um, you know, in, in injecting some speed and young receivers into that offense is exactly what the Broncos needed. Um, but this year, even without the, 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 the COVID shortening camp um, it's a lot to ask of an extremely young offense, but I'm, I'm bullish about lock, but I, I need to see how these, how these last eight games go. Solid. I think that makes a ton of sense. I thought I'd pick your brand. It's very rare that we talk to a Broncos fan. And um, more importantly, you know, because I think they're a very interesting team. To your point, they're kind of wait and see with the young, with the, with the youth and um, some good pieces, some potentially great pieces. Um, but like every team, I mean, I know the offensive line for you guys has struggled due to many reasons and injuries. Um, and I know the defense without Von Miller has not been the same. Um, but I, again, I still see a lot of positives in a really challenging division though. I think that's the one thing that I'm sure you're not happy about with Mahomes and, uh, Herbert and a resurgent Raiders team, you know? So, uh, tough. Wish you were in the NFC East. You'd probably be winning the whole thing. Yeah. It's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. You know, sort of, uh, being repaid for the, uh, Peyton Manning era in terms of the, the other quarterbacks <laughs> and the, the other rosters during that you know, four year span that, that Manning was in the, in, in the mile high, but yeah, when, when the Chargers took Herbert, who I loved again, with, with, along with Josh Allen and with Justin Herbert, those are the two guys that if it would have worked out, I would have loved to have seen in Denver. Those are the two guys I loved coming out of the draft. They were Elway type quarterbacks, if you will. And, you know, just for different reasons, didn't work out. Um, but to have Herbert end up in the AFC West, along with obviously Patrick Mahomes, who's going to be entrenched there in, in KC for the next, you know, 15 years or however long, 
um, yeah, it's going to be difficult trying to win that division every year. But, um, you know, that's what you need. You need that young quarterback in place, and hopefully that's what Locke is. Um, you know, I, I don't like the, the stopgap, Case Keenum, Joe Flacco mentality. You got to gotta go into the draft and, and get your guy, and hopefully LA has finally found his. Yeah, I think that's a huge thing you mentioned there, too. I'm not a big stopgap fan either. Um, unless the team, to your point, unless you have a Denver Broncos circa Peyton Manning, right, with all the talent in the world on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Um, yeah, like that's the only reason I would consider a – but now, granted, Peyton Manning, although he the second year he did play like a low-end stopgap, um, we're talking a little different than Case Keenum, to your point, or Joe Flacco. So, um, yeah, all right. Hey, it's good to get some some Denver intel um, because I'm telling you next year there might be a lot of fantasy players you're drafting from the Broncos – um, if you guys are smart and get rid of my guy, the guy I don't like, Melvin Gordon, I can I can start picking Roy, uh, uh, Philip Lindsay again. So, but that's a whole that's a whole other bit. Uh, it's another biscuit to bite into another day. There's a little alliteration for you, but Matt, I don't want to keep you anymore. Your second pick, your next pick, I'm interested because yeah. I've only got so many games left here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, another team that that I like, kind of like my my NFC team of uh, of choice, if you will. I'm I'm bullish on the on the LA Rams. Um, you know, two years ago with the, the Sean McVay experience, taking him to the Super Bowl and uh, interesting roster configuration um, out there, uh, you know, in terms of bringing in the high price free agents. You obviously have Aaron Donald in the fold. And I just love Sean McVay's offense. Loves, yeah, I'm, I'm higher on Jared Goff than, than a lot of other people have been over the years. And the Rams have just kind of been a team I've, I, I enjoy watching play. And, you know, I think they're going to, maybe surprise some people second half of the year and, and really be a thorn in, in someone's side during the playoffs and big matchup this week, take it on the Seahawks, who, as we talked about coming off really a, a shellacking, the game wasn't as close as the final score indicated against Buffalo. So I think the, the Rams are in a good spot here coming off a bye. They're a little banged up Cooper cup, you know, kind of limited participation in practice, but I think he's going to be good to go on Sunday. Small line, as you would expect for a division matchup here, the, the Rams, one and a half point favorites, and I'm going to ride with the Rams. I think they'll, they'll win outright. I could see them winning by maybe a touchdown here, and this is you know nothing to take away from Seattle. They obviously have problems defensively, as as we talked about, and Russell Wilson is having as good a season as, as anyone in the league. So I think this could be a, a high scoring affair, but I like the Rams to pull this one out. Yeah, that that was a uh, I referenced before another well that Matty D likes to go to. He uh. He has picked the Rams a lot, and then uh, the last couple weeks, aside from last week with their bye, uh, I've I've stolen it from him. So I was trying to, uh, you know, bait him into going after the Rams early. I do agree with that. That Seattle defense, like we were talking about before with uh, with the Cardinals, that there's a lot of question marks there, and I know there are some some question marks injury wise on that side with uh, with the Rams, but. Yeah, Jared Goff has had a very good year after kind of a, a weird year last year. I believe Matty D's phrase, phrasing has been a an anomaly year from Goff. And uh, yeah, I I like him to have some, some sort of good game. Daryl Henderson's been great for him. And, and yeah, I, I agree. It's probably going to be about a touchdown line. This is probably something there where Seattle being, you know, a traditional favorite, Russell Wilson having a great year that, Maybe the, the, the money has kept it low, but, uh, yeah, I think this should be at least a field goal. So I, I like that pick a lot. Yeah, I mean, I've been – you're right, though. I've been – this is a really challenging game for so many reasons. Um, I'd probably lean Rams too, Matt, so I get where you're coming from. Divisional game. I know Seattle's coming off a loss, 
Um, and they've got so many questions defensively. These are two really good football teams that can easily meet again in the playoffs. Um, and they're going to go, I think, head to head to head for the divisional, you know, kind of uh, end game, uh, if you will, um, in, in this division. So I will take the last game on the slate. It doesn't have a line currently because big Ben Roethlisberger, as well as a few other Steelers are on the, uh, the COVID reserve list. I know Ben is also, you know, Roethlisberger's dealing with some knee injuries. Um, they're playing the Bengals, who I know Joe Burrow has showed us something. Uh, I, I'm going to be honest, though. Uh, I would consider even without Ben and Mason Rudolph in there that the Steelers still win this game. That Steelers defense is really good. Um, I, I think they'll kind of eat up Burrow a little bit, cause a couple turnovers. I think you'll see that plethora of, of weapons on the Steelers side of the ball. Um, even if they have to go to somebody like Rudolph, make it happen, whether it's kind of this emerging elite possession receiver that is now Juju Smith-Schuster, um, Claypool, uh, Deontay Johnson, James Washington. They've got a ton of skill on the outside all of a sudden. Um, I really like Pittsburgh. I, I don't think they go undefeated. I want to be clear there, but I do think they beat the Bengals this weekend. I wanted to make sure we touched all the games. Sure. Um, and for as good as I've seen Joe Burrow play, I've been very impressed. This is a real deal Steelers defense with Bud Dupree and TJ Watt off the ends, some good corners, Minka in the backfield, and a really stout defensive line that I think is going to cause problems. Also, Joe Mixon didn't practice again today, and there's a chance he misses this game. That's a huge blow for an offense that needs balance to help out a young quarterback against a really good defense. So I'm taking the Steelers no matter what happens with COVID. I love that. And you mentioned it with the, off- or the defensive line for Pittsburgh versus the offensive line for Cincinnati. That's not very good. Um, and you mentioned that, that without a running game, it's, it's going to be a lot of, a lot more hits than we've seen on Joe Burrow throughout this season. Um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to editorialize here that I hope that we don't see him get hurt, but I feel like he's going to be, you know, see, see a lot of QB hits throughout this game. So yeah, I agree with you. I think I was worried not seeing a line cause I was afraid it was going to turn into some sort of, you know, Green Bay Jacksonville line of minus 13 or even more than two touchdowns turned into some sort of college football line. But um, yeah, I, it's, it's silly to try to think that way. Cincinnati also just has not been great against the spread. I know, uh, you know, they've, they've allowed some backdoor covers and I feel like you could see maybe Pittsburgh pull away late if it is some sort of 12, 13 point line. Um, But we'll have to see, we'll have to see what ends up happening there. And you mentioned it with all the different COVID uh, players on there. Ben doesn't have it, right? He tested negative. They just put him on the COVID list just in case because he had a contact trace, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think yeah, that's what it, it is. It's like multiple degrees. Or yeah, something. yeah, that and like that plus his knees. I think he that's that's what's able to put him on it. It's something like I remember hearing about this. And it was kind of a little more wacky than just he tested positive. But um, yeah, I feel like he's going to end up playing. It's going to be like. Stafford getting the negative test last week, right before their game, something like that, and you know, sign seal deliver, send the send the Steelers out to another win. Um, yeah, but so for me, we've covered every game like you mentioned, so I got to go against one of you guys. Um, oh God, uh, Monday night, do it. I know you want to. Yeah, well, you're, like, you're, you're just because you're throwing the gut and you're throwing the you know my whole family are big bears fans obviously they can't be there um they wouldn't have been there anyway because they weren't letting fans in but i feel like chicago's already starting to lock down again at least i heard that with the whole john lester buying beers for everybody i heard that 
not everybody actually got beer because a lot of bars were actually closed in Chicago. Um, if you guys oh. remember seeing that, but, um, uh, you know, screw it. Fine. I'll, I'll take the bears plus two. Um, <laughs> I knew you were going to do it. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, they're not, this isn't going to hit Matt's going to win this pick, but cause Dalvin cooks going to run all over him. but who knows? Stick I with mean, Nick, stick with Nick. They got great linebackers in, in this in is going to be such a boring right? Monday night football game though. Like, the over-under set at 44, which is just begging you to take something of thinking like Allen Robinson or um, what's their rookie? Their rookie that's caught like two 50-yard passes from Nick Foles. Um, oh, shoot. I'll think of his name. Yeah. yeah he, I he's only played like three about. games, but he's played the last three games. He's yeah. caught like two 50-yard passes. Like he's going to have some bomb touchdown or something, and you're going to think that's going to be great, and it's going to end up on bad beats because it's going to be like a 41-point game with like the Bears like having another double doink at the end of the game to try to like tie it up or something, but yeah, all right, I'm gonna take the take the Bears here plus two. Let's go to my college pick. I am sticking in Chicago for this. Um, Northwestern versus Purdue. Purdue coming off of the inadvertent bye week last week because of the Wisconsin Badgers having a perpetual COVID nineteen, if we want to call it that. Uh, Northwestern riding a couple huge wins. Not a lot of offense aside from their first week playing the Maryland. Terrapins, but beating their Big Ten West opponents, Iowa, and then last week at home against Nebraska. This week they go to Purdue out in, so I guess technically not in Chicago, but Chicago team nonetheless. Uh, Purdue, like I mentioned, coming off it, over-under set at 50.5 points. Northwestern is a 2.5 point favorite, but I'm going to go with the Boilermakers. They've been having a high-flying offense. Northwestern defense has looked fairly solid, we have a lot of question marks surrounding the other teams they've played. Northwe- or, uh, Northwestern has played Nebraska. Not totally sure what to think about with that team. Um, you know, they only let up thir- they only let up 13 points, but you th- want to see more than 21 points. Iowa in a game that th- Purdue also let up 20 against them. Uh, they also again only put up 21 points. The offense was going the right way with their leadoff game against Maryland, but not a lot of que- but a lot of question marks surrounding that. Whereas Purdue coming off the again inadvertent bye week they have a number of different guys including Aiden O'Connell their quarterback who just loves to air out the ball they got a receiver named David Bell not the Phillies former third baseman who we all hated but this guy seems legit four touchdowns over 100 yards in the first two games so I like the Boilermakers here I'm gonna ride with them plus two and a half as a home dog well I think it's one of the worst weeks of college football that I can remember the fact that you know we have zero ranked matchups. It could have been so great, by the way. Alabama LSU, which is postponed, by the way, canceled. Excuse me, but that would have been a great matchup if LSU didn't stink. I was looking forward to Ohio State and Maryland with uh, with another uh, uh, Tiger down there playing great football. See if they can do anything. That game's been canceled as well. I decided to go out on a limb. I don't yeah, see this, again similar. The so one to silver that lining Patriots. of these of these canceled games is that like we're we're having to dig deep. We normally try to. Well, I'm not. I'm not seriously. I'm not even digging deep here. I've oh, just decided yeah. that I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm sticking with this Patriots theme. Wisconsin hasn't played football in what three four weeks, right? I mean they have two played. weeks. They basically have oh yeah three weeks. weeks. They okay. took two weeks off. Yeah. In comes a wounded Michigan who looked who just blew a game against Indiana. They're horrible. Jim uh, uh, John Harbaugh's seat could not be hotter. Jim Harbaugh or Jim, excuse me, excuse me. I said it right, and then I. Sw- that's I'm okay. gonna take it's Michigan okay. to win. I'm gonna take Michigan to win outright over Wisconsin. The Homer Again, pick, gotta love it. You know I'm a Homer, but I also just think it's one of those weird games coming into it. It's at I know it's not gonna be fans, but it's at, you know, at the big house. 
I just think there's no choice for, for Harbaugh. This is it. It's like the end of the road. He's got one shot here. He's got to take down a Wisconsin team that honestly just hasn't played. Um, so I'm going to just go out on a limb and think I'm going to take Michigan to beat Wisconsin. Um, upset special on Saturday. So we'll see what happens. The only thing that makes me, that gives me pause about that is Michigan's defense has looked absolutely terrible. And Graham Mertz, am I pronouncing that right? The Wisconsin quarterback. He looked mm-hmm. awesome in their first game. I know, you know, 248 yards in college not isn't a ton, but five touchdowns looks <laughs> awesome. So I, you know, I don't know as a, as a Michigan adjacent fan, um, and that that's what gives me worry there is that he's going to light it up against a, a defense that prides itself on trying to get a ton of sacks and has not looked like that in the first couple weeks. So that's uh my only concern there, Matty D. Exactly. Hey, look, the thing is, all, all they only can go up, right? That's it. All right. So, all right. We'll see. All right, Matt Height, close it out with you. What do you got for college? Yeah, I'm going to the U. This game really, I, I had to sort of double and, and triple check the line here, but. <laughs> The U six and one Miami. Their only loss, of course, to to Clemson, taking on a four and three Virginia Tech team on the road in Blacksburg. Miami coming off a a bye week last week, and the Hurricanes getting two and a half points on the road here to a Virginia Tech team who lost at home just last week to Liberty. I understand Liberty is undefeated; they're now ranked. You freeze doing a tremendous job down there, but still, this line looks awfully suspicious to me. Derek King is a uh, maybe not a Heisman finalist, but he's certainly in the discussion. Mike Harley as a receiver has been tremendous for Miami, really kind of infused a lot of energy for years. We've seen the Miami offense struggle, uh, but I like what I'm seeing out of the U here, and I'm taking Miami to win this game handily. Uh, the, they'll cover the, the, the two and a half, no problem, and see him winning by maybe 10 points on the road here. So I'm going with Miami. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I did not notice that line before you pointed it out just now that that's insane that they're that they're that way. There there has to be something out there that we don't know about this because you hit the nail on the head. They lost to Liberty, who's now ranked, but they've gotten spanked by a, a number of other teams who've then in turn gotten spanked by other teams. Um, so I I don't know what to think of this Virginia Tech team. So I I would stay away from them and don't want to go bet the house because the way I've been betting the last couple of weeks don't want to go there. But I like that pick a lot. <laughs> but yeah, there's a you know honorable mentions or anything like that. But before we move on to the to the fun stuff, anything else that you're looking forward to from this weekend in football? Either Matt. I mean, for me, I, I the only I mean the one thing that I'm just hopeful for in the NFL space is that none of my fantasy players get hurt. I'm going to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Um, obviously, looking forward to having my birds back on the field. Um, and in college, um, kind of an off week, right? We kind of, I kind of mentioned it with picks and such, and, uh, you know, it's just not a lot going on. Um, so yeah, no, I guess it's honestly kind of a quieter week in football this week, which is fine. It's been a lot going on across the board between everything, the normal, the normal football back and forth, plus all the, you know, the issues with COVID it's been wild. So, um, looking forward to hopefully, uh, unlike, unlike our guest, an easy Eagles victory against a bad Giants team. I can I can pray for one this year. That would be great. So yeah, hopefully. But there is something else in the the horizon that we'll talk about in a second. But Matt Height, what are you looking forward to this weekend aside from uh, the games we've talked about? Yeah, I mean it's just an interesting slate in the NFL overall. You have some you know interconference matchups that uh, 
I wouldn't say intriguing. You know, you have games that you just kind of aren't even going to pay attention to, like Green Bay and Jacksonville and, uh, you know, matchups like that. I, I think the Thursday night game is, it, as we talked about, it's, it's an AFC South game, so right away you think, oh, you know, I, I, I'm not too interested in that. But I actually think it might be one of the better Thursday games of the year. Um, interesting to see how how Phil Rivers and the and the Colts uh, look to rebound. Um, it's kind of the a weird Colts team, really, because you know they they sign Rivers, they have a good offensive line, and you know you just expect a little more out of Indianapolis. I know they're five and three, but I haven't been honestly all that impressed. And and Tennessee is a team that you know I thought before the season had a chance to to repeat in terms of an AFC Championship game type of season for them and you know big Derrick Henry fans so kind of an intriguing matchup on Thursday but the the Sunday slate honestly leaves a little bit to be desired um so hoping for a good Thursday night game to kind of kick off the weekend yeah that's a really good call uh obviously we all may be watching something else on Sunday because of uh you know what we're about to talk about but that's a really good call with uh you know Thursday night football might be the game of the week hopefully you know, the, the Arizona-Buffalo game, we mentioned that a little bit when you picked uh, when you picked the Bills, Matt, height. But, um, yeah, I hope that's a really good game. It should be entertaining. I hope, uh, you know, I probably won't have access to, to Red Zone beyond Harrisburg this weekend. But hopefully get to see some good highlights on my phone and, and check out what's going on with that, um, you know, while we have the golf on. Uh, but, yeah, it should be, you know, an interesting week nonetheless. But the topic on probably all three of our minds being all big golf nuts the Masters is this weekend, and the first time in a long time it's not been in the spring and uh, or in the month of April, I think is what the stat is. But let's uh, let's dive into this. This is gonna be a lot of fun. Like I mentioned off the top, that we're probably gonna have that. This is you know people probably already tuned into either the Masters app or the featured groups on Master.com or CBS All Access or wherever they're watching this. But let's uh, you know let's look at some favorites, some underdogs, some storylines. Obviously, the Masters in the fall, but guys, do we want to start with the 48-inch pole in the room, or do we want to uh, save him for a little bit and talk about the defending champion? I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy to chime in, as always. Um, look, I, I think, you know, Bryson comes in red hot, um, and I think he absolutely has a shot to win this, but I think you're absolutely incorrect if you think he's going to if you think nobody else does, um, Augusta is different, it, 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 you know, and, and he even said it himself because it's about chipping and putting. Um, so I know he has the opportunity to drive a par four. I, I know he's got a shot at having a sand wedge into holes where guys have six and seven and eight irons. But, you know, I think he knows that as, 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 as a very intelligent golfer that he's got to make a lot of putts and he's got to make a lot of chips. Um, and, it, and, his length will be taken away by a few things. I also will say this too. Um, the lack of a gallery could hurt a guy, including Bryson. If he has a wayward drive, there's nobody to hit. Um, I know that sounds really weird, but I'm, I'm dead serious. I think, I think it's a potential, you know, if he has a wayward one, we'll see what happens. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point there. And, and you mentioned it a lot of the, the chipping and putting and, and especially amen corner, I feel like is, Probably where Bryson's going to live and die. Obviously, we've seen in the last couple of years, you know, a number of different players, including last year, go into twelve and put their ball in the water on Sunday and and have to learn their way to play that hole. And not that Bryson's going to struggle on the next hole, the thirteenth hole, a par five, that he probably could play like a a short par four for the three of us. Uh, <laughs> just frankly speaking, the way he's crushing it. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the the 
I forget who he played with, which past champion. I think it was, he might have been Sandy Lyle, but someone was, he, they noted what he was hitting on in a couple, Matt, you mentioned it, he hit some par, he hit some par fours and the green and one with a three wood, a couple holes he was using three wood off the tee in general just so he could hit a seven iron in case he had to do that. Um, you know, as much as I don't like Bryson, I, you know, you gotta, you gotta give him the respect that's due, especially at this point where he's already played in a major with, with no gallery where, you know, it's supposed to be a, you know, a different condition, but it is Augusta. It's different. And, and we'll just have to see what happens there. I mean, Brooks Kepka came in with all the momentum in the world last year and he got close. He got really close to doing it. Uh, but there was a ton of different guys there. And I have a feeling that we're going to see a stacked leaderboard going into Sunday, especially with kind of a faster pace. I feel like because of the shortened sunlight that we have, even, even in Georgia where, you know, you, you get a little more sunlight as it was pointed out to me when I was in North Carolina last week because of, uh, you know, being lower towards the Southern hemisphere. But because of that, it just gives me, this, gives me this feeling that Saturday on moving day, that we're going to see a lot of different guys know that this is their time to try to make some sort of big move there. And yeah, I have a feeling that we're going to see a very similar Sunday, not necessarily with tiger winning. I'm not sure if he's going to you know, be close to there, but I feel like you're going to see a number of different names that you've heard either, Throughout 2020, of the guys who you know who were able to still be qualified into the tournament, because of course the, the field was set back in April, but guys who came out of the break red hot, and your Colin Morikawa, who obviously won the PGA, I feel like he's going to be right there. Brooks is, should I would think would be right there. I know he's been banged up. Obviously, he missed a couple tournaments because of COVID, but I, I have a feeling that that he'll he'll hang on. But Matt, what Matt, how, what are you thinking about all this? Yeah, I mean, going back to to Bryson, because I know that's what we. Uh, sort of kicked off this conversation with um, myself. I've never been a Bryson fan, even pre, you know, body transformation, but you know, him winning at Wingfoot and the way that he did made me a little less skeptical, obviously, because he proved it in a major. Um, And I think fortune is smiling on Bryson a little bit, just in terms of the weather forecast and the way the course conditions are, are shaping up. If, if this was a situation like most of us and, and most of, uh, of the golf world out there thought when the Masters was moved to November, the thought was, okay, it's going to be cool. It's going to be dry. You'll get the, the fairways firm and fast like you would in the spring, but that's not the case. They've gotten plenty of rain down there. The grasses are going to be a little bit different. Thunderstorms in the forecast today. There are thunderstorms in the forecast tomorrow. And just the way that Bryson can sort of play the bomb and gouge golf, you're not going to have a situation where the fairways are going to be running all that much. And, you know, if it's a situation where he can carry the ball 350, it's going to be a, a monster advantage. And he, he chipped and putted the ball so well at wing foot, the greens are green complexes are different, but everyone would agree that wing, wing foot greens are amongst the, the hardest in the world. And obviously Augusta national sort of speaks for itself and, in Bryson's pre-tournament press conference, he's essentially playing the course almost as a par 67 or par 68 based on the, the four par fives that are reachable for all the field, but short irons for, for Bryson number three, which is essentially a a pitch and putt type of hole. You have number seven, which is a very short par four. Number Mm -hmm. nine could be a a short par four. And some of the longer par fours, even on the back are going to be reduced greatly. So I think if even if Bryson's off the fairway a little bit, you know, he'll still have that advantage. And look, I'm not saying I love what he's doing because I don't. I think the game of golf needs to reel in the distance with equipment, with the golf ball and the like. But as long as it's, you know, legal and conforming now, which obviously it is, 
I think he's going to have an advantage. I'm not necessarily picking him to win, but I would be stunned if he's not at least in the mix come Sunday afternoon. Yeah, that's a really good call. I, I think he's going to be at least top 10 hanging in there. I don't know if it's something where he misses a fairway and, and something happens where he has to get up and down and maybe somebody somebody finishes out a little stronger than he does. Obviously, we saw with you know some wetter conditions, we saw kind of a wacky Sunday last year, and, and maybe it's maybe he stumbles out of the gate um, and, and see what happens there. But yeah, it, it is going to be... It's going to be really fun to see what he does just on the sense of we obviously have seen Tiger proofing. We saw what Bubba did the one year that he was really on. Obviously, he's left-handed and and plays that lefty fade more so than, than Bryson with the, the bomb and gouge. But, you know, you, you could see something like that of potentially him jumping out to an early lead. You mentioned the weather, and, you know, I talked about it a second ago, but we'll have to see. And hopefully we have some, some more entertaining golf rather than hoping for either a Bryson meltdown or I don't think he's going to be in the mix at all, but a Jordan Spieth meltdown like in 2016. Um, sorry, Matt. I know you're, you know, you're probably still feeling that one. Matt, Matt, Always Stefano. Hurts. Yeah. He, uh, I know Matt height. You are also not a big fan of Jordan Spieth. Matty D is a huge fan. Um, but yeah, you know, whether it's, you know, any of those guys, you know, you don't want to see something like that, but it is Augusta. There is the possibility of that happening. And, and I do think that that, you know, final, you know, the back nine, the final nine is going to be great and it's going to make all the difference. I know that's pretty cliche to say because it is Augusta and that's what's happening there, but it's going to be fun. And I'm incredibly excited to see it. The, the scenic views that we've been getting, all the different pictures have been incredible. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it has been very unseasonably warm. I know Hurricane Ada, I think is the name that's coming through either Ada or Echo. Uh, and that's part of the thunderstorm today here in the Northeast and tomorrow in the Southeast. So it's going to be, it, it'll be really interesting to see what the scores are and whether or not, uh, you know, conditions firm up and that, that makes the difference. And, you know, I feel like, a you know, obviously good putters do very well at Augusta and how Bryson putted, like you mentioned at Wingfoot is going to be huge. So we'll have to see there, but are there other guys that are, you know, top 10, top 20 got, uh, caliber players, that you think could have a possibility of, of pulling it out, like a Dustin Johnson finally getting his green jacket, or Rory completing the career grand slam, or John Rahm, who had the uh, you know the the skipped hole in one heard around the world. Uh, Matt Hype, we'll start with you of other favorites that you're looking out for. Yeah, for me, I'm really looking at a guy like Patrick Cantlay. Um, you know, if you green pick, if you go back to to last year, obviously all anyone remembers really is that. The tournament turned on number 12 when you had Francesco Molinari and Tony Finau and honestly Brooks Kepka ahead of them all hitting it into Race Creek on number 12. But what no one really remembers is Patrick Cantlay eagling number 15 and taking the lead outright and promptly giving it back with back-to-back bogeys on mm-hmm. 16 and 17. <laughs> and had that not happened, it could have been something where Tiger Woods wouldn't have been able to catch Cantlay or maybe he would have needed a birdie on 18 to tie can could have been in the clubhouse with a two shot lead, you know, something along those lines. And look, can is a guy that even before the likes of Jordan speed, Justin Thomas, you know, he was the number one amateur in the world, had some back issues and other injury problems, but really has kind of turned his career around since he's gotten healthy and just coming off a win at the Zozo a few weeks back, one of the best putters in short game, artists in the world and obviously at a course like Augusta 
um, that comes into play. And, you know, he hasn't played the Masters very often, but obviously he was squarely in the mix last year. Uh, didn't play this past week in, in Houston, so it should be fresh coming into, into Augusta. That's the guy that, that I would like. And if I was throwing some coin uh, down on, on Augusta, that's who I would have. Um, certainly a, a guy like Xander Shoffley, who's seemingly on a major leaderboard every time out and just hasn't quite broken through, but he always seems to play the best um, in the toughest conditions at the, at the toughest tests in, in golf. And he was in the mix in, during last year's masters as well. So that's a guy I would look for. Um, you mentioned Dustin Johnson coming off his, his COVID diagnosis, but looked no worse for the wear last week. Um, again, four straight top tens at Augusta for, for DJ looking to break through to get that second major. So um, just in terms of the American contingent, those are the guys that, that I would look to be right at the top of the board. Yeah, I'm, I personally am uh, looking to see a lot of Xander Shoffley. I feel like he saw it go through his grasps last year at, at Augusta and, like you mentioned, seemingly at every major. So I, I have a lot of high hopes for him. I'm a huge Rory fan, so I hope he tries to pull it out. But he, uh, you know, there's been a lot of question marks surrounding his, his game, at least post-break. I know he was red hot going into the break, so if he finds that, you know, Hopefully that way. I know you're mentioning Americans, but um, other guys I'm looking out for, Justin Rose, just because you mentioned, you know, stories of, of guys who kind of you knew they had it and, and didn't. I thought he was a lock the year that Patrick Reed ended up winning because the year before with Sergio, where Rose, you know, obviously lips out and, and Sergio pulls it out. I feel like he's looking for that second major championship after you know, seven years ago, winning at Marion and, and all in everything that he's been able to do an Olympic medal, a, you know, and, the great career he's had. I feel like Augusta just feels like the, you know, it feels right to, to see him with a green jacket on, but um, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to say like a guy like a, a Brooks Kepka or even, you know, I know I wouldn't throw him in the, the top 10. I think he's top 20, but Scotty Scheffler, who obviously has been red hot throughout the, the, the end of the FedEx cup season, shooting a 59 and, and everything there. So those are a couple guys towards the top of the list. I'm looking for Matty D. What about you? Well, I, yeah, I mean, you guys you know, put a lot of names. I'm, you know, I'll just, I'll say maybe Jordan Spieth. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm here never know. Get putter gets hot. That's what it takes, hot putter. But that's I, what I think they always say. The that you... His putter's almost back. <laughs> it would help yeah, if he hit it guys... on the planet too. That would, <laughs> that would help a lot. <laughs> it doesn't get the free drive. I think, I think the two guys that stand out to me um, for two different reasons um, are are Rory and Justin Thomas. Um, two, so one, neither comes in with a ton of hype because of Bryson and, and Tiger coming and defending his championship. Like you guys talk, we've talked about, um, I really think, you know, if there was a year for Rory to do it, this is a great one without fans, no pressure on him to get the, the career grand slam done. If he finds that putter at all, we know he has everything else in the bag. I mean, just an incredible golf talent. Um, great opportunity for him this year. If he gets up to a decent start. And and kind of rolls. I like his chance. He's freakishly long, right? We forget that because yep. of Bryson, but he's got the length. He's got incredible ball striking. We know he can chip. The question is, can the putter get hot? And without fans there, and fans that tend to probably root against him because he's not American, right? This is an opportunity for Rory. I really like his chances this week because it's a little under the radar too. So, um, for Justin, I think Justin Thomas is the best iron player in the world. He strikes the ball really well. And normally that wins at Augusta. Obviously, we, we talk about length and how that factors in. But 
Tiger didn't have elite length last year. He just made really good swings consistently. So I think Thomas is another guy that I think, again, comes in under the radar because he hasn't won either the major in a few years. Um, I like his chances. So if we're not picking the quote-unquote favorite in Bryson, those are the two guys um, that I'm focusing on. How can they do? They they both have the backup. They both won before. Um, and they both have an, oppor- an opportunity now this year, I really think, um, to potentially do something. So, um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. Yeah, that's a so really good points on JT. I think one thing that that does go a little you know under the radar is the fact that he is very good at scoring, very good birdie to bogey ratio, a very good birdie percentage per round. Rory's had great birdies, but he's also had some missed putts and some bogeys. Not a terrible bogey to birdie percentage to bring some stats in, but you mentioned starting hot and Rory. Not great, at least in his last few rounds. Um, averages a 71 in his first round, a 70 in his second round. Uh, I believe this is over the last 10 is the the numbers that I boiled this down to. But still, comparatively to, to other golfers in the field, it's it's something where if it is, you know, the weather is this big factor, is it becomes a question of can Rory go against it? And, and yeah, in 2014, when he won two majors, he was the worst golfer on the tour on Fridays, but he was really good on Thursdays. He was making cuts. And if he makes the cut, great. He's a really good Saturday player, but he has not finished out rounds very well this year. So as a as a Rory fan, that's that's one thing that gives me pause. I'm going to have him in, uh, in Daily Fantasy, have him in my own pool. Uh, JT, though, that is a great pick if that is someone that you are hitching your wagon to in terms of either higher salary players in a... Daily fantasy type of situation, tiers, or if you're doing, you know, one and done type of thing, if you have some sort of league that's still doing that, uh, if you wanted to do that through the Masters and you somehow save Justin Thomas for now, now's the time to use him. Um, or you're just doing the wraparound schedule, which that means you're one of the real ones. So good on you. And thank you for listening to our podcast for golf advice. <laughs> but let's look at some underdogs. Um, Maddie D, you want to kick this off? Or do you want to? You want one of us too? Well, I already gave you. I already gave you my underdog. Who's Spieth? Spieth, baby. Spieth. Ride or die. Okay, putter so gets talk, hot. You talk never about know what can bit. happen at Augusta. He's got a W. He's finished second before. I know he's got the collapse. Um, yeah, but I guess if you want me to second. Okay, look. I guess if you want me to pick, I mean, is that cons- that's considered an underdog, right? Do you want me? To, do you want me to pick Danny Willett then as an underdog? No, Look, I picked Spieth, okay? That's my underdog, period. You, know, you, you can disagree. But, Anyone else but, you know, he's, uh, You asked me for my underdog. That's okay. my guy. I mean, there's plenty of guys I could make arguments for, but, you know, I'll ride or die. Um, yeah. All right. Matt, Matt Hyde, how about you? Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned Danny Willett, and actually takes me to one of my real underdogs, but – fellow European Matt Wallace is a guy that you know for for people that you know maybe aren't too familiar with with golf on a week in and week out basis you know unlike three of us you may say who the heck is is Matt Wallace but he's played very well in the majors here recently Uh, one of the top players in Europe maybe not as young as you think he is you know he's right around the age of 30 but that's kind of prime time to really sneak in there and uh and win a major and you know he's never really squarely been you know, in the lead with a couple holes left or anything like that. So, you know, if he gets in that situation, you're not really sure how, how he would handle that. But, uh, you know, I think if, you know, you guys talked about daily, daily fantasy a little bit, 
He's a guy at a low price point option. Throw him in your lineups. I think he's guaranteed to make the cut. Guaranteed top 25-ish. And, you know, if things go right, he's he's one of the better putters in the world. And if he can connect on the greens this week, I think he'll be in the mix. So that's a guy that that I would have as kind of an under-the-radar uh, selection. And and honestly, the, the Australian contingent always seems to play well at Augusta. We haven't seen a lot of, of Adam Scott post-COVID. Yeah, he was um, one I was going to throw out. Yeah, he he won at, at at Riviera before the before the break and uh, you know finished second or you know top five at least in that PGA that Brooks Kepko won in St. Louis a couple years back. So he's he's starting to play better again in the bigger tournaments. Obviously he has a green jacket from from back in 2013. Uh, Jason Day, who now seems a little bit more healthy in terms of the back, um, he's a guy that's been playing well. Had a good good go of it last weekend in Houston and. Uh, you know, through the middle part of, of this past decade, he was always seemingly in the mix at Augusta, just didn't quite pull it out as one major to his, to his credit, but he's the guy with all the talent in the world. It's just a matter of him staying healthy. And last name I'll throw out again, another, another player from down under is Cameron Smith, uh, young player, long hitter. So I think the way the course is going to be set up this week and we talked about the, the conditions, I think that's a guy, if he can, you know, have a short game dialed in, you could see him sort of being in the mix there, um, you know, come the last day. So uh, a lot of international names I, I kind of threw at you there, but, you know, they always seem to play well. The Australian um, contingent, as I, as I call them, always <laughs> seems to, to play well here uh, at Augusta. And, um, yeah, I think that kind of can speak. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if one of those guys is, is really squarely in it come Sunday. No, I love the Cameron Smith call. That was one I was going to throw out just because you mentioned his length, and he, he seems to be a, a great player, at least short game-wise, getting up and down. Um, you know, puts up, to use daily fantasy and use other statistics, is able to, you know, not make a ton of mistakes in terms of, you know, scoring both actual golf as well as to the people out there for daily fantasy. Um, Abram Anser is probably my underdog that I'm keeping an eye out on. I know he's had some ups and downs and a little bit of it, of inconsistency, but when he's on, it's, it's you know It's been great. And it's been fun to watch. Um, you know, he's been right there in a couple tournaments and I'm really excited to see what he ends up doing in, in, in this. I hope he makes the cut. He's been really good out of the gate. So again, not to keep harping on the weather tomorrow, but if he, if he comes out firing and maybe you see him towards the top five through the first round, you know, he just has to weather through maybe a uh, other players having a, a good second day where you know maybe the moment gets to him or not to to make the cut and then we'll see what happens from there. Saturdays have been his big weak point, his his real high score. I almost said low scoring, high scoring, low in terms of the rankings on the PGA Tour in terms of uh in terms of round three and then Sunday okay, but. I'm really, you know, I'm really excited to see him. You mentioned the the Australians. Adam Scott was a guy I was going to throw out. Um, one other guy, I guess, uh, to throw out. He's not really an underdog. Matt Fitzpatrick, kind of mid tier in terms of tiers and and uh, salary values and daily fantasy. So another guy that, that's probably a little lower on there. Um, I'm taking a flyer on him in daily fantasy. So. Thankfully, people are listening to this after the, the tournament started, but I'm really hopeful for Lantel Griffin to continue some of the heat he's been on. Um, he's you know made four out of five cuts that he's had over his last few tournaments, um, and he's 
you know, when he's on, he can score really well. It's just a matter of a, him making the cut. And then B, when he does make the cut, how does he play the weekend? Cause he, in the reverse of what I just talked about with answer has been God awful on Sunday. He's been okay on Saturday, but if he makes, if he makes it and is anywhere towards the top 10, you know, there's no sort of put option to throw onto golfers or in any sort of sports betting or a, I guess you could probably do an over under in terms of his score, but I almost want to just say like, you know, cash out any sort of, you know, long-term future bet you might have on him. But I'm hoping I, I'm taking him in, in terms of, uh, you know, daily fantasy and everything there. So he's a guy that I, I'm kind of keeping an eye out on. He's, I've taken a couple flyers on him in a few different tournaments since the break resumed or since we've resumed from the break, excuse me. But um, he's a guy that, that, that I'm excited to see also just because he was fun to watch last year at the open. Matt, Matt Hyde, I know it's your favorite major. It's my favorite major as well. When he won the one last year's British open, Shane Lowry, really excited to see what he does just because I, I had a lot of fun watching him last year. Yeah. I mean, Larry's a, a big hitter again, and I, I think that's going to be a real advantage, you know, more so it's, again, we talked about the fast and firm conditions. I know everyone in Augusta likes to see that certainly won't be the case. So uh, I think a guy like Lowry who hits it uh, a mile and, you know, like a lot of guys in this field do really, uh, yeah. but I think the big hitters are going to have an advantage and he's certainly one of them. Are there any past champions that are, you're not like the Tigers. We can throw Phil, I guess, into this, into this conversation just because, he spent more of his time on the Champions Tour, but you know, past winners who you know, aren't really in the limelight anymore that either of you see potentially making any sort of run. You know, we've seen it out of a Bernard Langer a number of times. You guys think he could do it, or anybody else that's out in the field, or is it kind of a you know, a young a young man's game at this point? Yeah, I mean, I got a past champion. I think Jordan Spieth has an opportunity to win. Yeah, I I'm guess, gonna I, die I, in guess the hill. So I guess he qualifies. You're going to keep bringing him up. You know, he's out of the limelight. He's a past champion. He's, he's out, out of the, the limelight. Line. Perfect. <laughs> there you go. You know, you guys are dissing on my guy. Uh, Matt, hey, what about I you? I will tell you, the, the one guy that will be around Thursday and Friday every year is Freddie Couples. He'll be involved somehow, some way. He'll be two under randomly. He'll be he's fun playing to with watch Max Homa, I found out. That's a group right there. Twitter will be on fire. Yep. Yeah, a, a, a past champion that that I would have really liked this week, and unfortunately he won't be able to tee it up, is Sergio Garcia, um, who unfortunately tested positive for COVID and, and won't be in the tournament. But, you know, coming off his first win in a few years, uh, a couple weeks back, and was really starting to play a little bit more consistently. And, uh, you know, earlier in his career, never liked Augusta National. And then, pulled out the the jacket in that duel with with Justin Rose, but he would have been a guy that I'm high on. Um, any given week, Patrick Reed, the 2018 champion, can can light it up. We know how good he is around the the greens. It's just a matter of him finding fairways. And he seems to like Augusta National, obviously went to went to Augusta State uh, just down the road and uh, helped them to to a couple of national championships so he's he's pretty familiar in augusta and he'll be coming in way under the radar and uh you know you guys mentioned the the lack of fans how that's going to play into it i know there's not really the heckling aspect at augusta as there is in other places but um i think reed might actually kind of embrace the the lack of lack of fans there so he's a guy that i wouldn't be surprised if he's in contention yeah that's a uh that's a, that's a good call there. Um, yeah, you, nobody's telling Justin Thomas's ball to get in the bunker at Augusta. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, but so we wrap things up. We got a few questions here. Um, we mentioned Xander Shoffley a little bit. This comes from a friend of mine, Brian 
Cunningham, uh, I almost called him Shaggy because that's his nickname and his Twitter, his uh, Instagram handle is Mr. Shagwar. But uh, is Xander capable of sinking any sort of clutch ten footer to pull out any sort of W? We talked about it a little bit. That uh, probably that's a bit of the the key to him this year of seeing what he ends up doing. But we talked about it a little bit. Um, I I hope so is my answer. <laughs> uh, you guys disagree? Agree with that? I think he's more than capable. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's he, he won the won the tour championship. Um, you know, a, a few years back, uh, you know, he's still, he's still very young. The more time you put yourself there with chances, I mean, certainly if you're Shoffley and I, I'm a big fan of his, yeah. you have to be a little disheartened that he's had so many opportunities to win just regular tour events, uh, this season and, and hasn't been able to get it done. But, you know, I, I don't think it's a situation where he suffers from a bulky putter, but it does sort of seem like he he's he gets to the you know 14th or 15th hole with a, a one-shot lead and has an eight-footer to give him that two-shot lead and it never seems to fall and then something happens and he ends up second or third so yep. um and the brian definitely has a, a good point there with that but no he's he's more than capable um i don't know if if this is the week to do it but sooner or later he'll he'll have his major and i think before his career is is said and done, he'll have a green jacket as well. Yeah. Matty, what do you think? I mean, he always performs well. Um, and I, I'm definitely with, with other Matt that he will win a major. I don't know if it's this one. Um, seems like a good kid. Uh, and uh, I, I do think one day it'll be there for him, but I'm, I'm not convinced this is it, uh, you know. Um, but, you know, you never know because he's that talented. But um, not convinced this one's it. I've I, I would see him as a PGA or or a, or a Open Championship guy before I would see him winning at Augusta first, um, or maybe ever, you know. But hey, get hot at the right time. You've got a, got got the whole game, so he can do it. Anybody, almost really, honestly, almost anybody in this field, other than those really old past champs, uh, can truly have an opportunity uh, to win here. It's a different golf course. Um, you think they play it over and over again? They have it down, but. You know, and this year it's totally different being played in the fall. I'm just excited to see the beautiful trees, the leaves. Um, it, it's going to be different. It's going to be very fun to see the entire course because of the lack of spectators um, to kind of see how it flows a little bit differently without the crowds. I'll miss the roars. But as they said in a really nice uh, little Instagram spot I watched, greatness without roars is still greatness. So um, I'm just excited to see meaningful golf this late in the year in November. And for the first and probably only time ever, we'll have the Masters in in the fall. Uh, it's it's new, it's different, it's exciting. Game day will be there. I'm excited for that. You know, uh, just a different experience. So, um, just hoping for a good golf tournament. I really hope nobody runs away with it. I'd love to see people late. You know, come down like like even like it did last year with Tiger and and um, uh, you know, slow. Uh, yeah, so that'd be that'd be great. So you mentioned. That anybody can pull it out, Matty D. So I'll, I'll direct the question to you first, then Matt, how you can jump in. My wonderful fiance Emily, asks, is this the year that picking Ricky in the Masters pool will finally pay off for her? Well, I, I, I couldn't – you know, I, I talked a lot about Justin, and I talked a lot about Speed. And so, like, I feel like Ricky's kind of like the, the third guy, that little click, so I felt bad bringing him up. Um, look uh, – I don't know if his game is trending in the exact right direction and he's never really played here that well. Um, so uh, look, I, I'm all about Ricky winner to major, but I, I 
I don't think your your wonderful fiance is correct. And don't tell her I said that because the golden rule is that your wife's always right. Um, and wife <laughs> can be substituted for fiance or girlfriend or, or just a, a woman in your life. But um, I, I don't think your wife, your future wife is correct in this one. I don't see Ricky um, doing well this week for whatever reason. Just the uh, same feeling I have with other guys. It's not, not, not seeing his game in the right spot. Sure. Yeah, I'm going to... Uh... I'm going to abstain from the answer here. Matt Hyde, what do you think? Yeah, I, I'm going to have to echo uh, Maddie's sentiments, uh, unfortunately, for, for Emily. But, you know, R- Ricky Fowler is a guy that he's, he's in the midst of, of a swing change and has been for, for quite some time after, you know, splitting with, with Butch Harmon. And, you know, we, we go back to, to 2014 where he was in the top five in, in all four majors. And, uh, you know, I know myself included, I thought, man, this is really going to be the time where, where Ricky's going to sort of shed that, you know, quote unquote overrated label and really be, you know, top, top 10 consistently player in the world. And it, for whatever reason, it just, just hasn't happened. Um, hasn't been able to put it together. And I see no evidence in his game that this is going to be the week that he's going to put it together, but you guys know how, how golf is. It just takes one week sometimes to click. Um, it, it wouldn't be the most out of left field winner, but it would be close. So yeah. I, unfortunately, well Emily, you're going to have to, you have to wait just a little bit longer, I think. Well said. <laughs> All right, last question. We talked about it a little bit with Bryson, um, but this is more about the course itself. Are you guys worried about the integrity of Augusta National in the Bryson era? So I, this is from Ben Dumb, who I was in North Carolina this week. Uh, I don't want to expand the question because I don't want to misquote anybody, but we'll start with you, Matt Height, and then we'll go to Matty D. Yeah, I mean, if you guys saw Fred Rid- uh, Ridley, the, the chairman of Augusta National, uh, in his press conference today, he essentially said, look, we're going to take control of this golf course, even if the other governing bodies don't. Um, he wasn't specifically talking about Bryson, but of course he was asked about, about Bryson. And everyone remembers the, the Tiger proofing after the 97 Masters and uh, you know, bringing the fairways in at, at Augusta, planting more trees, lengthening it, of course. Um, Augusta can, can do whatever they want to the course. They own the tournament. You know, they're not governed. Um, under the auspices of the of the RNA or the USGA, so um, they do not want to see the bomb and gouge taking all of the or most of the strategy um, and the precision out of the game of golf. Um, if there's ever a, a word that you uh, you know when you think of Augusta, it's, it's tradition, obviously. So they never want to see that. I, I think diminished. And if we see something this year, and what we've seen it kind of after the COVID break, right? The scores so very low at each and every tour stop. And a lot of that is different conditions, playing courses at different times of the year. And I think, unfortunately, you know, for me, I, I love to see the, the best players in the world, not struggle per se, but I like to see single digits under par winning majors or over par when it comes to the U.S. Open. I, I don't want to see 18 under just, you know, pin seeking, um, rounds and I think that's what we might see given the, the the weather conditions this week unfortunately and look if it's if DeChambeau's on his game and he goes out there and shoots you know 20 under par and breaks the tournament record yeah I mean I, I think Augusta's gonna have to have to take a look at it and, and they already are um, so I think that's kind of the the future of Augusta now what what they can do um, you know I, I'm not sure but you know they, they always have something that they can do to quote unquote proof the course in, in, in one way or the other. And I think they'll, they'll react to whatever they may see this week. Yeah. I got to agree with you on that. Um, yeah. We'll have to see what ends up happening. I know 
not to continue to harp on the, the weather tomorrow, but if it's soft and it's it's a big day, it's not not like they can just go up and, and tune it up to try to, to try to force a score. But yeah, I'm I'm hoping that we see some sort of single digit score, but I don't know. We'll have to see what ends up happening because it is you know, it's a little more ripe of weather. We'll put it that way rather than uh you know the cold, harder, firm conditions we were hoping for. So we'll have to see. Uh, I think it is dependent on on who ends up doing what. Some some part of me wants to think you know, wants to say you know oh well Bubba ran away with it one year and then Spieth ran away with it and then all of a sudden we've had you know close tournaments and everything so um, you know hopefully the you know time always finds a way to heal itself but there might be a if there is a way for Augusta to to respond if there is a huge uh, gouging to be punny we might have to see that but Maddie what do you think on this I I, I almost completely agree with what what Matt said I think they'll you know, at the end of the day, um, they'll make any adjustments they need to make one way or the other, and it will continue. It's not something that Augusta does, but you know, it's, it fluctuates year in and year out when you're when you're playing at the same course over and over again. There, there's only so much they can do, but I'm not worried about it. Um, you know, it's a lot of hype going in. Maybe Bryson does, maybe he doesn't. You know, um, you know, you know, you know, blow blow the field away. A lot that goes into that. Um, I'm also with Matt too. I prefer low low. I like you know between five over and five under for my major winners. Um, just my opinion on the matter, but um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I'm not certainly not worried. And like, like Matt said, Augusta will, will make it make, make any necessary changes they need to make. So yeah, yeah. not worried. Awesome. All right. Well, Matt, Hyde, any final thoughts before you let you go? Just really looking forward to it. You know, when, when, when everything happened with the, with the pandemic and we saw the open canceled, I thought, man, like we're, we're not going to see Augusta this year. And look, we can, the, the three of us can agree. We maybe don't want to see, you know, 15, 20 under par win, but I'll take that seeing Augusta national for four days, even without spectators over not having it at, at all. Certainly. Um, I think it would, it would take a lot obviously to top what we saw with, with, with Tiger Woods winning last year, that that's going to be one of the you know, iconic sporting events, I think, in, in, in any of our lifetimes. Yes. So uh, it's it's unrealistic to think we'll we'll get something of that of that nature. And I know we, we haven't talked a great deal about about Tiger, but, you know, honestly, I, I don't love his chances this week. He's, you know, just a, the, the lack of uh, of playing tournaments and the tournaments he's been in really hasn't been in the mix at all. Uh, come the weekend. Now, Augusta is a place that, you know, as we know, it really doesn't matter the shape of his game coming into it. Most years, obviously, he was on the top of his game. Um, that's not the case this year. Can he contend? Absolutely. Um, I, I don't think we'll see a, a back-to-back, you know, winner scenario, but um, I, I'd certainly love to see Tiger in contention come Sunday. I don't think we'll see that, um, but I just, you know, I, I hope it's, I hope we get some drama. Uh, Bryson kind of sucked the drama out of the uh, U.S. Open, the the PGA was fantastic with with yes. Morikawa's splendid uh, final round. So if we see something like that from one of the young guns on Sunday, I'm all for it. But um, you know, just really excited either way to see some golf. Yeah, I'm, I, I got to agree with you uh, both on on the front of Tiger uh, that he just hasn't played a lot. And I, as much as I want to, lo- would love to see him in there. Matty D and I were texting each other throughout that final round and seeing what he was doing and when you know various players were putting their balls in the water thinking this might actually happen. But uh, yeah, I got to agree with you that, you know, hopefully he's, he's hanging around there, but I, I don't think he's pulling it out. And I just want drama. I want something like that. I know, uh, you know, we had it with, with Colin, but you know, it, it, 
it always seems like when there's one tournament where one guy runs away, it's just the next one you want to see something like that. And you don't always get it. Sometimes you get the uh, the Bubba running away with the Masters, and then uh, Martin Keimer runs away with the U.S. Open, and has to, you have to wait until Rory wins back-to-back majors for any sort of drama. Thankfully, those two in 2014 were very dramatic, but... Yeah, hopefully, hopefully that's what ends up happening, that we get some, some sort of drama this Sunday. But Matt Height, thank you so much for coming on, man. This was a ton of fun. We'll happy, we'll, we're happy to have you on whenever you want to come on again to talk golf, football, uh, college basketball, if and when that, that does happen. I know there's games announced and canceled and all that good stuff. So if things do get underway, we'll, we'll have to have you on to talk that, uh, assuming that things are continuing to move. Absolutely, Jordy. Awesome talking to you again, Maddie. Good, uh, good meeting you and and chopping up some NFL and golf talk. Uh, love the podcast, boys. Keep up the uh, the awesome work you guys are doing, and I'll I'll talk to you guys soon. I'm sure. Awesome. Thanks, man. Absolutely. Thank you. A special thanks again to Matt Height for jumping on to talk some football and golf with us. That was a lot of fun to record. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Let us know what you think either in the comments or tweet at us at ThunderBLG. I was going to do one final segment, talk about some baseball news that came out. Trevor Bauer winning the Cy Young, JT Romuto rejecting his qualifying offer. Uh, Instead of breaking all that down, since we're just getting into the baseball offseason, figure we'll do something down the line, kind of like what we did with the NFL offseason, a primer talking about all this different stuff and you can hear whatever the end of the JT Romito saga is. You can hear my reactions to it then. If the Phillies don't sign him, though, I'm going to be really upset. So that's what you have to look forward to. But enjoy the Masters. Enjoy the football this weekend. That's going to do it for this episode. Like I mentioned, follow us on Twitter, ThunderBLG, Thunderbolic Sports on Instagram. Join our Facebook group, the Bullpen Card Podcast. That's where we got some of the questions for tonight. Others were answers on my own personal Instagram, Jordo9, if you want to follow me there. That one has more followers and it gets more traction. So follow both, Thunderbox Sports and Jordo9. Not to push my own personal clout, but it helps. <laughs> anyway, again, let us know what you thought of the show and everything there, how you disagree with the Masters previews or picks and all that good stuff. But for Matt DiStefano, Matt Height, have a great weekend, everybody. Fly, Eagles, fly. And enjoy the golf.